Hey, this is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. And with me today is Hans, who you you know you're kind of you have appropriate lighting because we're going to be talking about a film. They can't even see. I didn't split to uh, the gallery mode. There we go. Uh, appropriate lighting because the film we're talking about tonight was co-written by Alex Cox, who did Repo Man. You got some Repo Man lighting going on. Have you seen Repo Man? <laughs> I think I have, but I don't remember any anything about it. The name, you know who I remember as called Repo Man? A, a wrestler from the 80s that was like a jobber, and his name was the Repo Man. And his costume was hilarious uh, because he, he kind of they kind of try to make him look like a like an oldie time burglar from like a forties movie, uh, but he's also a wrestler, so he has to wear like the ah the hamburger, like yeah, <laughs> yeah. But he's also bald, uh, so so that's the Repo Man I know. I I don't remember the movie. <laughs> Do you have the same thought when you're watching Superman? You go Lex Lex Luger. Oh, <laughs> yeah, the Mister Perfect. Um, you know, we were just yeah. talking about this new. So there's always always a new controversy with Star Wars because Disney owns it, and yeah. um, so w- what's going on? They're saying there's racism happening. What else is new? Uh, but you were talking about something right before we went live with the show, in regards to. Uh, something seeming childish or, or what have you. What were you talking about literally right before I hit record? Oh, that the Obi-Wan show uh, seems to to be uh, aimed to a, a younger audience than the Star Wars movies, or at least that's what I heard, that it's it's not bad, but it's very kiddie, you know, and, and I, I wonder if it's because uh, I guess you see more kids in it because of where with the training and all that. I don't know. I, won't, I only know that one scene that we saw that, that was terribly shot, but... Um, but uh, yeah, it seems like, or at least from from what I've heard, that it's uh, it's more like aimed to children than what the trilogy was, or like Mandalorian is, or anything else. You know? Do you think that Star Wars would have been better if they had cast Emilio Estevez as Obi Wan? Now, any Emilio now, really? just any of them. I think. I think in the '90s, Emilio could have probably pulled <laughs> pulled it off. Bre- Breakfast Club, Emilio playing a young uh, Ewan McGregor playing Obi Wan. I can see that. You know, I I don't I don't know about that. I think in the '90s he was, was more he Mighty Ducks. Rumored? He had to step. No, he wasn't. I was just thinking Emilio oh, okay. Estevez would be a cool Obi Wan Kenobi. Why? <laughs> Why him? It could hey, hey uh so and Charlie Sheen will make a better <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi. Charlie Sheen would have been a great Hunter S. Thompson, I think, hmm. if if that movie had ever gotten made. You know, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas was a popular book. Did you read anything from Hunter S. Thompson? Because I read Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail. I read um the one he did on the Hell's Angels. And then I I also listened to the audiobook of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas not long after seeing the movie for the first time. Is he a narrator? By Hunter S. Thompson? No. No, he's been long dead, right? right. Uh, he died time. in 2003 or four. He from a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. Oh, to the head. It wasn't like a tattoo. Do you remember Tattoo, the little midget from Fantasy Island? Oh, yeah. Didn't he shoot shot... himself in the chest? And there's a recording where you just hear him in the background. Ow! <laughs> <laughs> For a 911 call or something. It's great. Oh, so he shot himself in the 
And I guess that makes sense, right? It it uh it goes with his whole shtick, right? Ending ending in himself instead of waiting for death to to catch up. Well, not dissimilar to Tony Scott, who we were talking about on the last episode we did about uh, Dead Man. He, I think he maybe had dementia or he had something coming or I I don't know what the problem Mm. was really and decided to get ahead of it and kill himself. So Robin Williams, Hunter S. Thompson, Tony Scott, old man. Wow. Do you know what (laughs) by Juan Fitzgerald Thompson does? His son? Oh, Juan Fitzgerald? It's it says here one F Thompson. I'm assuming Hunter F. It's Fitzgerald too. Okay. Is that? I don't know. No. Oh no, that's not. That's an S, not an F. Retard. Hunter Stockton Thompson. What's his name? This guy Juan Fitzgerald Thompson. Uh, born in 1964, uh, outside of San Francisco, California. Grew up in Woody Creek, Colorado. Graduated from Tufts University and lives in Denver, where he performs computer magic in the healthcare IT industry. Okay. So, not as exciting or interesting as his dad, I guess, but, yeah. Why why compete? You know, some, some children yeah. think, yeah, I'm going to do what my dad's going to do, like a Joe Hill or an Owen King, mm-hmm. and they fall short by a great degree. And then you have Juan Fitzgerald Thompson, who has the exact opposite approach and says... I'm a loser. I'm destined to be a loser. I'll do. <laughs> Boy, did I really call it? Um... <laughs> he looks like an IT guy. Yeah, he does. He oh, looks that's... like a college professor. This guy. It sucks that he he got his dad's hairline too, but he refuses to shave his head. So he just rather have his U here with this tuft. This is kind of like what I would have if I didn't have any self-respect. <laughs> <laughs> that's you at fifty. <laughs> that's me not so far from now that's not good but <laughs> that's not, not, not up to 50 we'll see uh, anyway so uh, what, what were we talking about before? oh right uh, did you read any of his books or any of his articles I'm honestly not very familiar with him at all other than uh, knowing him from this movie and the cultural I guess icon of him being drugged in Vegas that, that's pretty much all I know about him. I know he was a journalist, but but don't really know much of his background at all. Well, he's responsible for generations of men, real and some women, uh, glamorizing drugs to the capacity they have and being functioning drug addicts and alcoholics. Because that, and, and there's a like a you know a recipe, a concoction, or whatever um, of numerous drugs that he would take each day to pep himself up, and then calm himself down and then pep himself up again and go to bed uh and i think it's all lies i think he's a fucking liar um yeah this quickly what you learn from a lot of his interviews is he's just making things up and back in 1970 1980 uh you would just believe you if you said something if you were famous especially you were on johnny carson or david Lennon or whatever one of these shows i know he went on conan once uh to tie back into our late night chat we had not long ago uh, he did a lot of these shows, and he would just make things up. Yeah, I, uh, I I don't know how this movie created a generation of people glorifying drugs because it does it doesn't look fun in the movie at all. 
uh, I love what they what uh, Tony Scott did with the visual style of it. I think that's Terry Gilliam. The Tony Scott had nothing to do with this movie. He he was. The, he's I was. I, I was. I was so confused with what this movie is visually. I don't know why I thought of Tim Scott and I was like, that doesn't sound right. But I guess uh, Terry Gilliam makes sense that Terry Gilliam directed this then because it has a very, very uh, specific visual style uh, representing when he's high. Uh, And that's probably the strongest thing about it. I think I, I I really didn't care that much about the story and I feel like it went nowhere at at the end. Uh, It was very underwhelming. Uh, at least for, from from that watch that I had yesterday, but um, visually, uh, it's it's great, but it doesn't. At least uh, it didn't make me want to try acid. You know, <laughs> at no point I was like, "Oh, they're having a good time." Like ever, and and I and I feel like uh, Johnny Depp's performance was great, mostly because of his physicality with the character, uh, his physical co- the physical comedy and the, just the the way he. He would uh, react to things and act in like his postures, and I, I think that he brought a lot to that character. I don't know if that's how he was. I'm sure it's a, a little exaggerated, just because it's Johnny Depp, right? But um, at no point I felt like this is uh, fun with drugs. It was more like they need this, these drugs because they're so fucked up, you know, that they can't live without them. So I, mm-hmm. I don't understand why people would be like. Yeah, drugs are so cool. Like in fear and loathing. Like they, I don't know. At no point they looked like they were having fun. Do you think this movie presents a more fun drug culture or train spotting? Well, because train spotting is also not my idea of fun. Like (laughs) meeting a girl uh, at night and then going over to her house and, and. sleeping with her or whatever and then shitting her bed in the morning it's not my idea of you know what that sounds like I should do heroin or whatever it is that they were doing uh, <laughs> uh, so so I don't know what you mean by fun uh, I don't know if the drug culture of uh, I have to reach into this disgusting toilet because my pill just fell I don't know if that you know really yeah. would be I don't know. my people, fun people take away the wrong message from, from these kinds of movies because they're cool movies because they look right. cool because the actors are cool. So it doesn't matter what they're doing. It's just like Goodfellas or Wolf of Wall Street. It doesn't matter. He's kind of a piece of shit. You know, and he, he sucks. He's kind of lame, right? Patrick Bateman mm-hmm. is kind of lame. But yeah. the actor's being cool. So they, they take away, oh, this is cool. So I'm going to be like but- the character. I'm going to be like the actor here and do heroin. I'm going to put heroin but- in my blood. <laughs> But do you think they're cool though? Because they're all just lo- losers. <laughs> like I none of I've... them is like <laughs> they're all kind of like down in their luck, you know, kind of like faking it to like to keep going. So I just so I don't kill myself. So yeah, it, it wasn't like a like a rich, uh, you know, uh, a rich man that that's very successful and, and does drugs and parties or whatever. No, this was just you know regular people that hate their lives and this is their escape at least on train spotting fear yeah, and loading this is, is not regular people right? yeah no. No, no i'll tell you what i thought was just... cool i thought benicio del toro's body looking like me at my fattest is pretty cool <laughs> that's what i thought was and considering he was like an in-shape guy only a year before yeah. and he never got in shape again after this like he tried but he'd never lost the full fat 
because of this movie. If you look at Usual Suspects, that's two years before. It's probably a year before they shot this. He's very skinny. Take a look. Google right now Benicio Del Toro, 1995. And then this movie. And then you can take a look at any screenshot from any movie that succeeds Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And he's always just a little husky. He's always a little fuller, you know? So, all right, well, that's not a good angle. There you go. That's all you need to see, you know? And then you take a look at Fear and Loathing, and he's very bloated. He's very out of shape. And uh, it looks uncomfortable. Yeah. So, Hans is pulling a picture right now for... Patreon.com slash Lores viewers. I can't, five dollar tier. Find, can't find his belly. That's what I uh, just type show, in fear and loathing Benicio is... shirtless, and you should be able to get something. Right. Or his gut will just be sticking out of his button down shirt. Nope. Uh, one wrong. of the driving ones. That first driving one should be able to okay. give us a glimpse of some. Yeah, there you go. There's some belly rolls there resting <laughs> on a gut. Or like when he's spazzing out behind the wheel and needs a hit of cocaine, you know? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Hold on. Right there. Nope. Where? Right in the middle. Middle section. Ah. Uh, there you go. There's that gut. And there's a comparison right there, too. From when he was... Yeah, and then he just kind of looks like this on everything now. Mm-hmm. He was just kind like of. in average man shape now. But he used to be very skinny. So... Dedicated actor. This bit. Look at, he was a hunk and he ruined himself. <laughs> this movie, yeah. I mean, he got a taste of the good life, I guess, and then he refused to stop having Cheetos. Yeah, sure. yeah, that. <laughs> I, I'm sure that's what got him fat is Cheetos. I bet you he did like the Christian Bale. I'm going to have milkshakes every day diet when oh, he bulked up God. for Cheney or whatever, whatever the movie was. Look at mm. him here. That's Rough. me now, yeah. <laughs> this movie was a failure too it was a box office bomb the critics really? hated it and i always my first memory of fear and loathing was the poster art the cover art the vhs cover of the uh distorted hunter s thompson face or as he goes by in this film raul duke um and it was always in like the so five dollar cool. videotape bin at walmart why do they have Billy Madison right next to the 46%? What does that have to do with fear and loathing? It has nothing to do with fear and loathing. Anyway. Have you so seen that... Fear and Loathing in Aspen? That's uh... a, the one about when he ran he ran for, what was it, a governor of Aspen, I think, or something like that? I completely forgot. We talked about this on the show, right? We talked about this on either Civic TV. <laughs> wow. Or on an earlier episode of movies, and I completely forgot about Fear and Loathing in Aspen. Yeah, I'd never seen it. It was, um, um, I think it was set to be released when we were talking about it, and it hadn't come out. Is it out? Should we do a Hunter S. Thompson yeah. retrospective? Because there's a movie that comes before this called Where the Buffalo Roam, and mm-hmm. it stars Bill Murray as Hunter S. Thompson, and he does a pretty good job, and Peter Boyle plays the... Um, uh, the Benicio character, what's his name? Oscar. Uh, his name's not Oscar in this movie. Um, his name is uh, uh, Dr. Gonzo. Gonzo, yeah. Yeah. But uh, his real life counterpart 
was uh, Oscar Acosta, who uh, was another writer and was like an ACLU attorney, and he just went missing one day. I think he owed some people some money and couldn't pay them back. But he disappeared. And um, he was, uh, I think he was Latin American or something, and he had a falling out with Hunter S. Thompson because he referred to him as like a Samoan or something in the book he does in the movie. (laughs) Um, Benicio's a good pick for that character. Peter Boyle, no, but that's a fun pick, you know. So right. Peter Peter Boyle and Bill Murray is Hunter S. Thompson, Doctor Gonzo, or that that's something. That movie's not terrible, but it's also not great either. I think this movie's absolutely superior to Where the Buffalo Roam in terms of consistency. Anyway, even if this movie seems very confused with what it wants to do or where it wants to go, did you see the Rum Diary? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Wow, Amber Heard and Johnny Depp's fateful meeting. That movie also is really rough, Um, at the end especially, because I read The Rum Diary, and it's not anything like the movie, first of all. So you you get to treat these things as just two separate entities. Uh, But the movie's good up to a point. And if I – now, it's been about like 12 years or 15 years since I read The Rum Diary. But if I remember correct – the Amber Heard character, I think, is like raped or something and kidnapped or so- something bad happens. Something mm. bad happens. It's a dark ending, if I remember correct. I might be misremembering. In the movie, it just kind of abruptly ends. And there's a card that says, and they got married and lived happily ever after. And I was like, what the fuck? What is this? It looked like they ran out of money and were like, ah, oh, shit, we don't have anything for an ending. Just say... They lived a happy life together, and then that that was it. And I was like, "What?" Ugh. So there there was that, and that movie was not all that good anyway. Was that also directed by Terry Gilliam, or did it just have Johnny Depp as the star and uh, producer? Uh, directed and written by Bruce Robinson. Oh, he did from... with Nail and I. Yeah, which has a very similar vibe. To Fear and Loathing, um, mm-hmm. even if it's nothing at all like it. Uh, and they also had art from, you know, the the Fear and Loathing art is famous now. Yeah. Um, what is the name of that illustrator? Uh, I was thinking about... Um, Ralph Steadman. Ralph Steadman, that's right. I was thinking about getting some prints of Ralph Steadman mm-hmm. uh, five or six years back. He did the Withnil and I cover art, yeah. and there was also a... Um, he like a Breaking the, uh, Bad commission, if you wanted to get steel books of Breaking oh, Bad, really? the entire series, where he did a character per per one. He's got a very distinct, cool kind of art style. Obviously played out also, now because of how popular Fear and Loathing is. He also did the word of Buffalo Rome, it seems, or at least it's got the same type of font look. Mm. Right? Yeah. I, he might have done some art for Where the Buffalo Rome. I'm, I, I can't remember what... Oh, this has something in common with Dead Man. Music by Neil Young. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I appreciate the uh, the German oh, poster. Wow. European poster art. That's Peter superior. Boyle? Yes. <sighs> what does it look like Groucho Marx? <laughs> <laughs> He's Dr. Gonzo. It's, that's uh, the Benicio character. Oh, dude, I really want to watch this just for that. 
specific reason. I think whenever Bill Murray tries to look like he's not balding, it's kind of weird to me, you know, when he slicks his hair back and, and he's like handsome man or pretending to be is kind of like, that's not the Bill Murray I like, which is right. what he kind of looks like at the beginning here. But mm. mm-hmm. this just, I don't know, it sounds sounds crazy enough to, to be enjoyable. I, I didn't really know about it. Um, now that you mentioned doing a re- retrospective on him, it would be this, it would be Fear and Loathing, and then two episodes of Nash Bridges. Are you down for doing those two episodes of Nash Bridges that he wrote? <laughs> hold, hold on, wait a minute. Did Hunter S. Th- yeah. Hunter S. Thompson wrote two episodes of Nash Bridges? Yes, an episode called Quack Fever, season six, episode eighteen. Uh, it says, "Are you familiar with the show?" I don't know the show. Yeah, right. it's Don Johnson and Cheech Marin. They did a movie recently. Okay, it says Nick. T- uh, should I read the summary? Yeah, why not? Fuck it. All right, Nick tells Snatch he's he thinks his son Bobby is back and following him. They think he's missing in action in Vietnam, but Nash knows he's alive and it's in the drug business in Southeast Asia. Nash sees someone following Nick, but it's not his brother. He's too young, but he does look like his brother in his youth. Someone pulls a gun on him, so Nash intervenes. <laughs> this is a horrendous <laughs> recap. Uh, he learns the one with the gun works for a drug dealer who also operates in Southeast Asia. Nash finds the young man and talks to him and learns that he's the son of Nash's brother and that his father and the other drug dealer were partners till they had a falling out and his father was killed. He's trying to get him, and Nash offers to help. That doesn't sound very Hunter S. Thompson-y. That no, it doesn't. Like... That's definitely procedural Hunter S. Thompson. But that, the fact that he, he probably took that just just for the hell of it, just because you know he was probably in his 60s or 70s at that point. He was thinking, it's you know, this, was, this is something I would want. Whoa. That's yeah. right before he – maybe that's why he killed himself. He was so ashamed he did <laughs> Well, the other episode, the other episode he wrote was on ninety nine. Uh, it's called Pump Action. Uh, and it says Nash and Company, along with marginal cop Jake Cage, that's a cool name, track down pushers of a deadly steroid which makes bodybuilders go hyper aggressive. Cassidy is haunted by the death of her friend from an art. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin is in this episode, so that's cool. Wow. Uh, and. Uh, all-star that's lineup. It. Jake, yeah. does he play Jake Cage? Uh, let me see. I hope so. <laughs> yes, Detective Jake Cage. <laughs> that's who he plays. <laughs> wow. That's cool. Yeah, so I, I mean, I don't know how easy it would be to find season four, episode 16, and season six, episode 18 of Nash Bridges, but they're only... How long are the episodes? I was going to say they're all... Oh, it's a fucking hour. All right. I, I mean, it, that's the thing with Hunter and Thompson, that you have this Buffalo Rome, Fear and Loathing, uh, Nash Bridges, and then a documentary, which I'm sure we don't need to watch. Well, we wouldn't, maybe, unless you've seen it and you think it's good. Uh, Gonzo. I, 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 yeah, I've seen that. It's not bad, but uh, he really... He didn't have anything to do with it. It's just kind of about his legacy and career. Uh, yeah, never mind. Uh, and then after that is just the rum diary. I get uh, if we were to do a, a retrospective based on the work or the life of Hunter S. Thompson, it would be rum diary. It would be this, um, where the Buffalo Rome, and I, I guess, uh, fear and loathing in Aspen. 
Mm. It wouldn't really be anything I think that he's written, especially that you know was clearly for hire or it was just like a gimmick gig. Right. Because you know William Friedkin directed an episode of CSI. Um, <clears throat> Quentin Tarantino directed a two-parter of CSI, which I have on Blu-ray, and it's still mm. shit. It still sucks. So, <laughs> well, the the thing with uh, with hiring a writer for those shows is that. You, you can't really let them go wild with their style, right? They they, they have to stay within the, the confinement of who these characters are, what they do, how they act, how they react to things, and how they've been established for, especially this show that his first episode was on season four. So there's not you're not going to get uh, weird drug hunters as Thompson characters in this because it doesn't fit what you have. So I think it's more interesting when you get a director – if if they give them a little bit of of, of uh, leeway there, so that they can put a little bit of their style uh, onto TV episodes, but when it comes to writers, there, there's so many restrictions that is difficult to to say. Uh, oh, that's uh, definitely the Hunter S. Thompson, a Thompson episode, you know, yeah. just because of that those constraints. So, yeah, you're it's right. pointless. Yeah, you're not going to get yeah. what you want out of that. It's not going to wind up being anything interesting. Um, yeah, so why don't we get back to Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. The book yeah. is strikingly similar to the movie. Um, there's obviously chunks that they omit, but it's, I mean, you're getting essentially the essence of the book from this movie. They do a good job of adapting it. And that's, I think, maybe one of the reasons why it doesn't feel like a coherent movie. But that works in its favor because they have the veil of, well, it's a drug movie. They're on acid. They're mm -hmm. taking psychedelics. You know, and, and that... Okay, fine, fair enough. But it also is a bit of a detriment, in my opinion anyway, hmm. uh, to the film. That's not as structured as maybe one would hope. It's kind of all over the map. You're getting used to it being like a buddy flick, and then maybe Dr. Gonzo is like a bad guy or something. Or maybe he's not. Maybe he's just, you know. But, um, you know, you kind of interweave in and out of all these different things. Even if you do have Johnny Depp as a very charismatic and entertaining leading man, um, you know, you sign on essentially for that duo. By the way, Tobey Maguire in this movie. Wow, oh, what is, a weird mean... random cameo to throw in as Tobey Maguire as a hitchhiker with uh, hair like his son. He's, 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 playing, son. he's playing Otis Redwood from yeah. <laughs> Devil's yeah. Rejects. That's, That's what right. I thought of immediately. Uh, there's a lot of really fun cameos in this. Gary Busey was great as that weird cop that kind of just yes. wants him to like get out of his jurisdiction so that he can get in trouble but not his job he's got a big uh uh Benicio del Toro belly in it too yeah uh, which was fun uh you have uh Cameron Diaz in an elevator right in a, in a scene for like very short for like 30 seconds or something on screen uh so you see you see a lot of just people like that just popping up that I don't know if they were huge stars when this movie came out but they're they're very recognizable now, I guess, because of well, their career. Cameron Diaz, her career was on the come up because she had just done, she had just made her debut in The Mask, a mm. '90s Jim Carrey classic, and then did There's Something About Mary around the same time right. as this, and uh, she, so she was a big star. Gary Busey was on the way down. Gary Busey mm. uh, had his motorcycle accident, had been abusing cocaine. Uh, he's a couple of years away from doing I'm with Busey for Comedy Central. So he's in that part of his career. Uh, Steve Sharipa shows up here. Vern mm. Troyer is one of the three midgets I think they use uh, in it. 
Yes, was... Vern Troyer has a very small cameo. And so, uh, what's his name? All right, uh, you don't have to be fucking mean about it. <laughs> <laughs> Who else? Uh, other... Stabler from Law and Order slash. Right. Uh, uh, that's uh, Mark Harmon? No. Oh, yeah, Mark Harmon is in this movie, right? But he, no, that's not yeah. who I'm referring to. Damn, he's the main guy on Law and Order SVU. Christopher Maloney. Christopher Maloney. He's the, the gay, the gay uh, desk. Right. Clerk desk guy. I was trying to think. He's uh, just a gay guy. You know, he plays gay <laughs> in so much. Pendulette is in it as a carny. Uh, let's see. Hunter S. Thompson's Harry, in it. Harry Dean Stanton. Oh yeah, he shows up uh, where in that scene when uh, the character goes. Uh, I don't know if I was seeing myself or, in the bathroom, right? Or, not, or something. Yeah, and yeah, Flea yeah, yeah. shows He's... up from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Harry Dean Stanton plays a judge. Uh, Ellen Barkin shows up at the end as that waitress in that shitty diner. Mm-hmm. So there, there's a lot of recognizable faces. It was a lot of just oh shit, oh that tiny role is being played by that. Face, I recognize it. I, I don't know if I would have recognized it in '99 when this came out. Yeah, it's a stacked cast of cameo of one day shoots. Yeah. Uh, Christina Ricci is also the, oh, the yeah. underage girl that they take back to their hotel in the third act of the film. The one that paints uh, Barbara Streisand portraits, right? <laughs> I don't know. It's an enjoyable movie. I've seen so, but here's the thing: it's a little tainted for me because. Back when I was a younger man, when I was like 21, 22 years old, sometimes you'd go to raves in Providence or, um, you know, just parties and clubs because uh, Rhode Island had, or I, this was not when I was 21, 20, pro- more like 1920, because Rhode Island had 18 and up clubs and bars, and Massachusetts does not. Massachusetts, you got to be 21 and up to get in. So a lot of oh, right. a lot of people would go out <laughs> to like, hold on. I'm like, hold on, what do you mean, just clubs? I forgot that you guys is 21 no, to drink. Like, right, 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 special right, handshake right, to get right. in, the Boys and Girls Club of America. Um, <clears throat> right. So you'd go out to Providence, and uh, frequently, you know, people would be at these, like, weird, like, niche clubs that were designed for very, like, young people, legal age people, or uh, there would be raves. And people would dress up as Hunter S. Thompson, especially at the raves. But sometimes, of course, the bars and the clubs for 18 to 25. Or and it was just like so cringe, you know. But that's what people were doing. It was like that era of I'm on Tumblr. I'm on Facebook. Hey, let's get the professional photo taken over at the little wall strip. And I'll have the cigarette in my mouth and I'll wear a, a floral shirt. And I'll have the fisherman hat and uh, you can stand next to me. You know, in shorts. Yeah. 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 I knew quite a few people who did that. And it's very embarrassing in retrospect. How annoying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the Harley Quinn of a couple of years ago. Yeah. It really yeah. is. The more the more I get away from, you know, the 20s, the more it's like, wow, your 20s up until like you're 27 or so are really like teenage years part two in terms of embarrassment and cringe. Yeah, yeah, and for some, less, even longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's I don't know. I feel like um, back in uh, before our before we turned twenty, uh, the idea was that in your twenties, yeah, you were still young, but you kind of already had some stuff figured out, maybe a family already, depending on what year, right? 
And I feel like now everything has regressed so much that you have 40-year-olds that are getting upset about Anakin Skywalker not reacting appropriately to what with uh, uh, Obi-Wan is saying. And you just kind of like... Fuck. <laughs> you know, he's just like, oh, who's this guy? There's a there's a guy, comic books and something on, on YouTube. He's got a goatee. His background is, of course, just a bunch of action figures or whatever. And uh, he re- re- replied to that Star Wars tweet about the, the new black character. And he was like, this is bullshit. Fuck Star Wars. I will not be silenced. And you're like, and I Googled, <laughs> and I Googled his name and he's like 49. Nice. And I'm just like, oh, and I'm just like, all right. I'm like, I understand that your bread and butter is complaining and talking about, um, comic book and shit like that on the internet. But I don't know. I feel like if you're self aware enough, like, how can you, be getting upset about something Star Wars related when you're in your late forties. Like that's so embarrassing. And and he's probably faking it for, you know, his audience that that's what they want from him to over exaggerate and get outrage of things. But at the same time, it's like, is that really what you want to be known as? The forty nine year old that gets upset about you know the the armor in Star Wars, like right. ugh, you know, <laughs> like it's. Just I don't think they even think about it in that regard. Like I feel, you know, for example, when we were talking about uh, Pope of Greenwich Village for the mashup show, there was a point where I was just like, I just want everybody to shut the fuck up about all the Marvel stuff. <laughs> I'm just, I like, look, I agree, but I'm just t- tired of the conversation. We're all older men. We should not yeah. be talking about the ethics of comic book movies right now. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of how I feel. In ge- like, I'm so far away from any of that that just like the mere mention of like, oh, did you hear the Captain America might be coming back? And I was like, what? You might as well be speaking Spanish to me. Uh, I don't know what that is anymore. It's just gone. Now, Star- look, Star Wars is a little bit different. I was actually thinking about buying – the um, unvarnished original Star Wars trilogy because someone did like the Star Wars fans are so obsessed that they put out like Criterion style illegal box sets to sell and you could get all three oh. of the original theatrical ones for 60 bucks and it's like all done so up they before, did booklets and everything before he and, changed a bunch of shit yeah. right they didn't okay That's so it, cool. it's a real un, untouched movies and I was like, maybe I should bite the bullet on that. That looks like really well presented for an illegal box set. This guy went all out. Like he sourced the scans himself. Like there's artistry put into doing all that and so much effort. And it probably took him like thousands of dollars to get these original prints and do do the whole process. And he was selling them for 60 bucks a pop. Right. And uh, it seems like the store got clipped. They found out, took it offline. Well, Disney. Yeah, right? Disney probably found out once they bought it, and was like, mm, "You've made enough." I I think, and you know, there's a lot of people doing this on their own. There's a, many different versions of that, but this guy had the whole thing down pat as far as like a phys- like it looked super professional. It wasn't anyone putting their awful imprint on the side uh, or adding like despecialized edition. You know, the, I found it in like a YouTube review, and I was like, "Damn, I think I should probably get that just for preservation." reasons uh mm-hmm. and now it's gone and i can't so i feel 
remorse over that. I feel regret. Do you know? If, do you know what the guy's name is? Maybe no. you might be able to contact him and no. Nope. I might. I might do a the YouTube. Maybe it was just like the website died or something. I have no idea, but I'm pretty sure the store is gone. Because um, so the only thing be... that I'm finding is Star Wars Uncut, but that's a completely different thing. Uh, that is a parody that was done just like a re. It's when when they started doing those, uh, you know, track, but every scene is done by someone different. You know, so I think it's one of those. This it fits says, right uh, with the conversation we're having about how anthologies with different directors always wind yeah. up kind of messy. That that our RoboCop movie or the Shrek movie they did for every. Oh like, yeah, that's what. That is exactly what this is. It says here. Uh, Shot-for-shot recreation of the 1977 Star Wars consisting of 473 15-second segments created and submitted from a variety of participants. So it's not even scenes. It's like 15-second segments, and they that sounds exhausting to watch. Yeah, that, yeah, that would not be a good time, as far as I'm concerned, anyway. The Robocop one, the only scene that's worth watching is the penis shooting scene that we saw on civic tv that scene is hilarious but besides yeah. that i don't know i don't i don't have the memory of it really it's been uh eight years since i watched that on vimeo.com yeah so maybe maybe there's more that was good to it but i don't recall so uh fear and loathing you know people turned turned the tide on the general perception of this movie now it's looked at as a classic now it's considered one of the great films of the 1990s. Uh, I don't, I mean, I think I probably agree with that more than I don't. I think it's a very fun movie to watch. I think it's visually mm-hmm. terrific and outstanding. And it's maybe the one film of Terry Gilliam's that I've ever enjoyed. Even though he's like really? a master of visuals, right? It's just yeah. like ugly visuals. I don't, I don't like anything <laughs> I've seen of his. Uh, the fucking Monty Python movie. Ugh. Brazil, no, Baron Munchausen. <laughs> I can't, can't, can't be bothered with any of that. Twelve Monkeys? You don't like Twelve Monkeys? No, I don't. I don't. Okay. What about uh, the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus? <laughs> I never saw that. <laughs> I was tempted to see that just because I was in such a Joker mood, you know, because of Heath Ledger being it. That was his, that goes back to Johnny Depp, right? He replaced him in that movie, and then someone else also stepped in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, he he did end up putting out his Don Quixote movie? Yeah. I, I you know what? Know I was very tempted to go to the theater and see that because they were playing it at the local AMC, like an advanced screening. And um, I was obviously in the early days of YouTube, I was doing mini essays on unmade films or unfinished films. And that's a big one. His Don mm-hmm. Quixote movie was one of the... Um, you know, big legendary. Oh, if only this could have gotten made. Like the Jodorowsky's Dune for Terry right. Gilliam, and he did wind up getting it made, and no one cared. Nobody showed up for it. Nobody wanted anything to do with it. He got Adam Driver in it. No one cares. Yeah, I didn't. I was interested too, and I didn't even realize it came out three years ago. So four years ago. So I guess. Yeah, you're right, and that's the last thing he's done. So your his career is not booming i mean he's never been much of a prolific director right i think people would uh, disagree with that i think he's definitely in the conversation of like 50 to 100 like great direct greatest directors maybe 
certainly American directors. Even if like the UK claims he's American, right? I don't know. I haven't seen enough. I've never seen Jabberwocky. Is that another Monty Python? I think it's movie? got some of the guys in there. How did they oh, it's got, fall yeah, out? Pollen, Warren Mitchell, Warren Mitchell. Did John Cleese no just idea. get too big for his britches or something and say, mm, I'm over you guys? Maybe. I, I don't know. I honestly, like, I know very little about them. I, I did get fam- uh, familiarized with the sketches because my classmates in film school were all... I have one of them that was obsessed with Monty Python, so he showed me some of it, and it's fine. I don't know if it holds up great, but it's possible. I mean, John Cleese, would you say he's the best one of them? Definitely the most successful. But... He's certainly the most. I mean, there's no question. He's working with Roman Polanski this year. Uh, none of the guys – well, I mean, I – well, maybe you could make the argument Terry Gilliam's the most successful, right? Right. But – of of the performers that come to mind, uh, yeah. Uh, in terms of perf- Eric like, Idle, maybe. Or... Eric Idle kind of. I think he just kind of looks like. Um, uh, God damn it! Oh, Willy Wonka. What's his name? I can't think of Gene it right Wilder. now. No, Eric yeah, Idle. He just, it's he a British, ma- <laughs> British fucking Gene Wilder. What what is he known for? Uh, uh, Spinal Tap. No, he wasn't in that, I don't think. Well, was he not in that? Oh. No. Uh, you know what he was in? Is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation 2, Cousin Eddie's Adventure, Island Adventure. Ooh. Yeah, he's a yeah. victim in it. So there, that's, that's what his career wound up being. He was on an episode of Matt TV, apparently. Mm. Uh, he was the voice of Merlin in Shrek the Third. Oh, that's a good paying gig, but uh, who who remembers that? Who knows that? You know, John Cleese yeah. was in Rat Race. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. Right, here, here's but what I anyway, think. Uh, I, I think. But I don't know uh, if John Cleese <laughs> should have played Alfred the Butler in all the Batman movies. That's what I think. Do you think he would? Yeah. Do you think he would step down? What? Step down? It's a big step up. <laughs> what? I mean, he's the narrator of the mini adventures of Winnie the Pooh from 2011 to 2014. I don't know like, if that's going. They he probably was paid a, him very well for that. Um, he was the voice of King Gristle Sir in Trolls. Um, and uh, Where was he in this movie? I guess Terry Gilliam hates John Cleese. <laughs> Was he not? Oh, yeah, he's not in this. He well, didn't he want probably to put him in, this, yeah, in his best movie. He said, you can be in all these lesser movies, but this one, Have you seen all think so. of them, all of Terry Gilliam's? No. There's you, very few directors where I've seen all of their movies. Mm-hmm. I haven't even seen all of Kubrick's movies. I haven't watched Spartacus. I've, I have Spartacus. I've been waiting for the right day to watch Spartacus. That's the only one of his I've seen. Yeah. That doesn't bother me. I just watched RRR. That was three hours. It was Shoah. That's eleven hours. That's oh boy. I tried watching Shoah. I got an hour. Yeah, me and too. Half <laughs> <laughs> me too. I was like, that sounds like a 
fun experiment. Eight hours, let's uh, and then just god damn, <laughs> it really <laughs> let it know. breathe with that one. <laughs> yeah. Unlike some yeah. of those guards, when they put them in the yeah. chamber, you know, those breaths yep. were bad breaths. Just fucking finish enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah no i i i'm familiar with T- terry gillian from monty python's sketches more than his movies i guess i've seen brazil which i liked when i watched it that was like 20 years ago so i couldn't tell you uh fear and loathing I've, i think i've seen Tideland, but i don't remember anything about it uh zero theorem that's the one with christoph waltz right never saw that Oh, uh, that, that's uh, right. Yeah, Christoph Waltz looks funny in that movie. He looks a little weird. Uh, he's he was, bald, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. He's Brothers, not. Brothers Grimm was fine. Brothers Grimm was the the um, Heath Ledger, Matt Damon, where they played the brothers that come up with all the fairy tales that Disney stole. Yes. Uh, You're doing something with your microphone right now. That sounds oh. like... Shit, you, sorry. you got something going on there, but uh, yeah, I remember was... Bro- Brothers Grimm was like the last big movie he did, no? Because I remember that got wide distribution in the United States, and some people really enjoyed it, some people did not. But it was uh, a movie I remember anyway. Yeah, that was 2005, and then Tideland was after that, and then Parnassus, and then Seer Theorem, and then Don Quixote. Now, where does um, Mr. Megorium's Magic Emporium fit in that filmography? <laughs> Sounds like it would be his movie, right? <laughs> yeah. with a gigantic title. Was that movie just about Dustin Hoffman having a store with knickknacks, right? Is that <laughs> what that was? I think it was like a uh, like a soft remake of the Santa Claus, but without a Santa Claus figure, and he was it. Just an old Dustin Hoffman that wearing a red suit. I, I have very faint memories of that movie. I don't think I ever saw it either. No, nobody just saw that, it. People watched it name. ironically after it was featured in Breaking Bad because there was like a DVD in the bomb shelter or whatever Walt was staying in, and people thought that was a funny joke. Um, anyway. Oh. You know, there's a yeah, lot of... What? That, I mean, oh, sorry, I'm going to uh, Mr. Magorium's hole here. Uh, <laughs> it's going into, of... Hold on, going into Mr. Magorium's <laughs> hole? <laughs> yes. Dustin Hoffman, open wide. Uh, you got Natalie Portman and Jason Bateman. Yeah. That seems like a way too big of a cast for a movie about... A young apprentice of a magical eccentric toy store owner learns to believe in herself and in her friends upon learning some grave news about the future. The, uh, like yeah, I said, no, the Santa I, I, Claus with Tim Allen. Yeah. That's the same movie. Yeah, I never never saw that. I, I wanted to see what the director of Mr. Magorian is up to now. Um, oh! <laughs> the writer... Uh, and director of Mr. Magorium uh, wrote the screenplay for Deep Water. Sam Levinson? No, Zach Helm, uh, or one of the writers, yeah. I guess, of that yeah, movie. Deep Water has like three screenwriters, which is. Listen, if there's more than two screenwriters on a movie, that's a bad sign. Yeah. And then 
he wrote Stranger Than Fiction, which is that Will Ferrell movie about being a writer, and that's in his own book or something. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's currently working on a movie called uh, Surrender Dorothy, starring Drew Barrymore in 2022. So that's cool. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. good for Drew Barrymore. She probably needs to work, right? Yeah. That's what happens with those actors, right? Once they lose... <laughs> Once they lose the reason why they were cast for a long time, and I'm not saying that she's not because she's old, but she's not because she's old. Uh, <laughs> like her career, what, she's got a, a talk show now that is... I don't know if you've ever seen it or seen anything about it, but it's... Uh, it's it's pretty horrendous. <laughs> She's definitely not uh, not the person that you would expect uh, to be a host. It's very awkward, and the humor is really it's like worse than for moms. You know, it's just mm-hmm. very very clean white woman humor, and like we're gonna freak out about this meme on the internet. I'm gonna have a segment about it and just freak out about how funny it is with this with this uh, intonation and everything it stinks uh and uh two seasons for what channel did, did she get replaced by kelly clarkson oh did she or did does kelly clarkson have her own show too kelly clarkson i uh i don't know what network drew barrymore was on but kelly clarkson got syndicated to cbs she was on cbs yeah. It's a CBS Media Ventures, and then it's a CBS Television Distribution. So I'm, yes, CBS Broadcast Center, that New York City. It was recorded there. There's 334 episodes as of May 18th of 2022. Mm. It's a variety show. It's uh, it's very awkward. I'm I'm sure she's improved. I just remember I checked out a couple of segments when she started, just out of curiosity, and I was like, oh, they're trying to make her like a Helen. Helen, Ellen, Helen, <laughs> Helen. <laughs> Helen. yeah, uh, but she's just not that no person. You know, you know? she should have came back for that Firestarter reboot, which people have savaged that that movie. It's not that bad. It's fine. I don't know if I've said that before the, on this show. It, people are overreacting over it. I mean, the first one is not really so, like it's exactly so. Uh, it's that nostalgia thing, right? It's like, why are you defending a movie that you haven't seen in 30 years that you think it's good because you liked it when it came out, but you haven't revisited or seen anything about it? Just, you know, hold it with nostalgia. But yeah, for, it's like, well, I guess we did a, we did do an episode of Black Christmas, but Black Christmas is good. Like the first one is actually good. So We didn't do different. Black Christmas. You did. Didn't you did an episode? episode of Jake's show. On Black Christmas and oh yeah, wasn't, yeah the stuff. wasn't wasn't a politician on that episode you did on Black Christmas wasn't there someone who hate unsubscribed from Patreon and unfollowed us on that episode of Black Christmas oh I don't even I, I didn't even remember that, that happened maybe did it i believe so yeah, you it? were you were on a show okay. with him and with it's, jake it's like fucking it's like three years ago you think my memory <laughs> is gonna remember an episode and they did it in the afternoon with yeah i thought we did a black christmas for for this when the remake came out no 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 we no? we did not um uh, i have not well, seen well that was a bad the, example that was a bad the, example 
two remakes of Black Christmas. But anyway, the Firestarter movie, uh, because I watched it when it came out because it went right to Peacock. And if you have Comcast and sleep in your mom's basement, then you get to watch the Firestarter movie for free. And I watched When you're not in Korea, you mean, right? When you're not in Korea like you are right now. I'm in, I've been in Korea for months. They're, they're holding me as a POW. I'm like that uh, gay singer in Russia, that part of Russia that's Muslim-dominated, where he's like, <laughs> I'm just enjoying myself, having coffee and listening to music. And he's been dead for like seven years. Oh, you, shit. You know, it's like that. Have you heard of, have you heard of Brittany Greenier? I think she's a WNBA player. Uh, and she went to Russia. I don't know why, to play maybe or whatever. But she tried to take out vapes and that shit is illegal so she's in jail <laughs> right now and she's like a like one of the best WNBA players which is not saying much but uh, <laughs> apparently th- there was a thing about like how now Biden is gonna try to like get her and he's like is this a country that you want to go to when there's a world conflict and you want to go to Russia and act like a dumbass like that's not yeah I have right. weed on me like are you like what yeah but who's the who's the singer uh, it was some. It was a Russian singer, and uh, I uh, believe he. So uh, he went to Chechnya, which mm-hmm. uh, can we pull up the Chechen? Right. I mean, maybe we shouldn't say anything too, too no. rough about this. You know, what? we I'm don't good. we don't follow no. in line. They're very warm. Here. They're very warm and nice people. You know, every time I met one of them, they always hold you with great warmth. love and adoration, <laughs> right? <laughs> Very kind, very understanding, very open. People from Eastern Europe are known for being warm, for certain. Yeah. Uh, So the Chechen... Very very warm smiles. (laughs) Very very kind eyes. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. The Chechen government, if I recall correctly, they don't do this, but they do it. They say, we don't do that. Uh, Has squads that round up the gays and say, we're going to re-educate you or kill you. And you're free to go if you go to your family and say, please kill me, and they kill you. That's the only term of release. And they took in um, some Russian pop singer who was known for being gay, and he's like, I moved to Germany. Look at this German beer. Look at I'm having fun at my hotel room. And no one has heard from him since. Since that video went on YouTube like three months after his disappearance, nothing. He's probably still having fun, right? He's oh yeah, still partying with in a thong in, in the middle in the of ground Chechnya in the winter. middle of the ground in the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Chechen president said, "Listen, his family probably killed him because they were ashamed he was gay." What do you want me to say? I didn't do it. I didn't do nothing. Are you going dis- to disagree with that? Wow, how how <laughs> could you? You know that that's that makes sense to me. As someone that comes from a third world country, that sounds completely. Right, you know, yep. it's a shame. Did you see shame like Colombia or one of these, one of your countries has a Nazi <laughs> that's like the number two guy that's running? He's just a millionaire who's like, yeah, I apply, I listen to a great German thinker named. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, I think it was was it Colombia. I saw the headline. I didn't really read into it, but. Was it? It wasn't Bolsonaro, right? It wasn't Brazil. No, 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 no. It wasn't Bolsonaro. It was a. It's a new guy because they did their preliminary election where it's like the the top two make it onto the actual round, 
and it was the guy everyone thought was going to win. Steamrolled Peru. It. Yeah, and this guy was in like Peru, the Sanjaya of of the vote. So he made it in second, it, and we'll move on. And the funniest thing about Peruvian people is that there's some of I mean I don't know if it's the funniest thing, but there's some of the darkest Latin American that are not like black. So the fact that he's a Peruvian, <laughs> that he's like, <laughs> I'm the good Hitler. <laughs> Campaign slogans reading Hitler returns and Hitler with the people. It's like, dude, <laughs> like, God damn, dude. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. What a guy. Uh, well, uh, ah, warm wishes wait, to that's the people of Peru. Hold, hold on, hold on. That's a different, that's a different guy. I just realized that this is for, for from four years ago. Maybe he's so back. his name. It was a failed attempt. Could be the same guy. Donald Trump ran in two thousand. Uh, I think he was going to be right. a Libertarian Party candidate, and then said, "Eh, I'm good here." Or he lost to Jesse Ventura or somebody. So uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Might be the same guy. Sounds like him anyway. He slapped some random city council member who was, like, saying something. He was like, what? What? He got really upset and hit him in the face. Some, like, frail, hippie, crunchy, glasses-bearded, Allen Ginsberg-looking Peruvian. Right. Progressive Peruvian trying Mm -hmm. to pull their shit. That's the thing. Um, Those ideologies are are slowly trying to creep in uh, to these countries. But the thing is that... People that are in power are still old as fuck, you know, so they still have those ideologies from back in the day. So that's not going to change anytime soon. Uh, the the president we just had that just just finished, I think he's like 40 something. Maybe he's like a young guy, uh, but like he it's just the thing is that I guess just like in the States, like nothing ever changes, really. So it's just a, a figurehead uh, that that gets there unless you get someone like a dictator, right? Mm-hmm. Which hopefully we never will, but well, you're more those, likely to uh, get that than than I probably yeah am now anyway yeah, and those those progressive ideas you see them sometimes you're kind of like yeah there's there's support from young people but it stays there you know it's not it's not going to be like a it's not going to change the country like the states have cha- has changed you know mm-hmm. so so all of those little Latin American progressive young people are either very disappointed or just moved to the states did you see what they all do did you see that like ecuador or one of these countries has a president that's about like 37 years old and he looks like one of the hosts on chapo trap house like he's a like he's one of those progressives in salvador maybe because of the salvador uh really gross beard oh god looks like uh, he'd probably be a comic book guy in another life well, he's like a rich guy, I think. If if this is the one I'm, you're talking about, I don't know. I think so. Before he became, before he took a shower. Well, he uh he made Bitcoin like the official currency of El Salvador, I think, and that worked for like Can we pull a couple a pic- of months. I, I don't think it's actually this guy. This guy has more no. defined features. He's like a fat, bearded guy who you would see like he looks like the Frog Man from Tumblr. Latin American president, 2002, young, <laughs> young man, like 36, 30, like 35 to 40 years old. Oh, all right. It's this, uh, all these guys look the same. 
Just a little right. tan, white-haired man. Uh, let's see. I don't know what I'm open. Let me let me let me stop sharing. I don't know what I'm opening over here. Hold on. I'll. I'll... You muted yourself. Yeah, I, I realized I muted myself prematurely <laughs> there before I began typing. I'll take a look. Why don't you? Uh, why don't you share more of your thoughts on Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? In the meantime, you know that's a great okay. American classic. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, let me see my notes over here. I I I enjoyed his visual style, like you said, uh, but it also kind of made me wonder what someone else's take would be on something like this. Because, uh, and we were talking about him on on the last episode we we just did on on YouTube. Um, Gaspar Noé's Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas would be something that would be really interesting watching, just because he's such a visually interesting director. Uh, even though I think uh, Terry Gillian did a really good job, especially um, by making everything kind of scary when they're like that uh, that uh, carousel bar with like all the clowns and like that tent. That shit was terrifying for me. I don't even I'm not even scared of clowns or anything, but just thinking about that setting when you're high on something that you don't even know what combination you just put in yourself. Uh, that was really good. Uh, that the whole world, the whole. Uh, you know, even the the hotel rooms that were gigantic and flooded with water and and full of garbage from uh, everywhere, uh, even things that we didn't really see in the movie. Uh, but I was kind of like, okay, so what if someone that's modern and visually that has like a interesting visual style, like I guess far know, uh, would do this, and who would he cast? Because doesn't he always get like Europeans for his mm-hmm. movies, right? So. Uh, yeah, that was that was one of my my thoughts while watching it. Just like how how could you shot this differently to kind of keep like the same feeling of uh, this is a movie about two, I guess kind of buddy. It's kind of like a buddy cop movie without any crime solving, uh, but but it's not at the same time because they're not really friends, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, I thought that hotel room sequence especially was. Uh, very well done and abiding by the weird intoxicated person logic of yeah you have to throw the toaster in the bathtub when this when the song hits this note right otherwise you're doing it wrong um also uh just before we uh abandon latin american president the president of chile gabriel boric is who i was referring to and again this looks like any chapo you would ever see in real life on the street, uh, eating at a yogurt shop. So let's let's take a look at this fellow. Yep, yep, there, there he is. Yep, Gabriel Boric. That's him. He's got cool band tattoos. You're muted, Hans. He's. Uh, I said he he even has that that band tattoo that people in the early 2000s were getting because they saw i don't know someone from like blink 182 or something had it that's right so that's take a look if you type in uh gabriel boric pre he looks like a big brother look at the one where he's in the flannel that guy hosts a show with virgil texas <laughs> and matt chrisman he's the new he's the new man versus food host. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah I, it's... You know, do you know what it looks like? It looks like Look those, at those hips, uh, those Matt Christmas 
photos, but the 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 ones that he didn't take or he wasn't posing for, just like the candidate ones where they just catch him on the street or whatever. Yeah. When he's not prepared. He's got like baby legs pointing in different directions. He's walking in a big <laughs> yeah. t shirt, just so unflattering. Yeah. I mean, good for him for cleaning yeah. himself up after becoming president. Well, listen, uh, I think we've been talking <laughs> politics on this show. Are you excited for the Winnie the Pooh horror movie? No, that's just going to be a gimmick. Yep. You know, it's going to be shit. It's going to mm-hmm. be bad. Like, it's getting attention because it's a ridiculous idea and because he's using a, a recognizable IP, I guess, but. Uh, no, it's, it's going to be, you know what I, what I, uh, think it's going to be like that. Um, what is it called? Woody's Wonderland movie with, with Nicolas Cage, where it has kind of like a, uh, it was like a five nights, five nights at Freddy's characters. Yeah. 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 Something like that. Just why the, the people who designed the Winnie the Pooh facial prosthetic for this movie did the design for a character in Mass State Lottery. I've seen that Winnie the Pooh before. Oh, sick. I follow them on, on Instagram. It's like, uh, ah, fuck, I'm not going to be able to make it. They do a lot of really cool horror masks, they do. too. Yeah, they're yeah. very well done, very uh, expensive. So uh, I might watch the trailer, but that's about as far as I'm getting with that. I would do you want to watch you know, it right now? Is, is there it a trailer? Out? Is there a trailer out? I've only seen stills. If there's a trailer out, let's watch it. Um, I wouldn't be wow. opposed to doing like a straight um, up Winnie the Pooh adaptation. I'm, I'm glad you didn't look at how I was spelling Winnie the Pooh because even <laughs> I would have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, Winnie the. No, there's a tease, teaser? Blood and Honey. Yeah, that's it. Called. All right, let's take a look at this. Winnie oh, the Pooh. Official trailer. All right. Blood and Honey. Um, it's the first film made now that Disney's grasp on Winnie the Pooh is no more. All right. All right. Let's take a look at this. So they they played this very time. smart. They must have made it knowing. It, I mean, Disney could have thwarted the attempt at any moment. They have weird government connections where they have... Well, you can extend the policy on the copyright an extra mm-hmm. hundred years, which was never the case and never intended to be the case. Because they, uh, everything Didn't they, they own was Mickey public Mouse? domain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mickey Mouse was another one where it was like, all right, well, well, you're, here you go, another eighty years of Mickey. All right, let's take a look at this. It already looks bad. <laughs> yeah, it does. Wow, that's spooky stuff. It's a light. So that's Why is his silhouette just um, what? This feels like a comfort system sketch. Oh. Is oh this real? This is not real. Is this a real tease? Wow. Look at that still face. This is not real. I don't think we're watching the. I think we're, we're being bamboozled. No, <laughs> I am hoping we're being. Yeah, that's not. not this is not. Are, are are you positive? No. There's no, because it could also be this bad, this, right? Yeah, it could be. It might. It literally just might be this. They haven't shown the mask. 
That is the mask. What the, f- what the f- what? Huh? That's it? Yeah, hold Let me see. Hold on. Are we positive that was it? I think we were bamboozled. (laughs) I was. Wait, hold on. The comments. The silhouette of Weenie's hat and ear in the window gave me the chill. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I'm legit terrified. Their face expressions are scary, but what makes it truly disturbing is the fact that it's supposed to be a cartoon for kids. Jesus fuck! How does this people exist? Uh, hold on. These are the same. Hold if on. that's if that's genuine and that's not like a sock account of some Indian that they hired to post that, um, these are the same people who thought Multiverse of Madness should have been an R rating. Yeah, that, it's it's not out. There's only only screenshots. The screenshots don't look good either. But yeah, I don't think that was amazing. Wow, the screenshots do look like shit. They do. Uh, so yeah, no, it's not gonna be. It's a gimmick. It's a gimmick movie, just like we see a lot of, and they're usually terrible. But by the time that you realize they're terrible, you already paid for it, so they got you. And that, I guess that's what the whole business model is, right? You don't have to do anything of quality as long as you get the people paying. They can complain about it, but hey, we got your money, so fuck you. Kind well, of, kind of what I feel like about this. <laughs> I, I think they played it very smart because this movie, regardless of the quality, just got so much press being the first one out the gate to do Winnie the Pooh, and they took it in the most extreme direction, which was smart. And they're going to get a pretty good distribution deal for it, no matter what happens, because people eat up horror. <clears throat> excuse me, people eat up horror, and yeah. something like this, where it's got a little bit of smoke to it, if they can sell it right now, they'll make a good chunk before, of money. Before, yeah, before people, before the trailer, even fuck. Because it was written up by every big movie outlet, I guess, so you can find it on the internet. It's just, like, there's not even a trailer. Like, uh, the fact that it got so many eyes on the thing just because they're using a Winnie the Pooh mask. Nothing about the stills that I'm looking at tells me that they're going to do anything with the character other than the guy wears a Winnie the Pooh mask. You know, so how yeah. is that interesting in any way? It's just a different mask, you know. A, a clown, oh, a clown is non-threatening. Would you go watch a movie where a guy is a clown and that's the thing? Like, not anymore, right? Maybe, Unless... I don't know. Who's the clown? Is it Bill Murray? <laughs> is Bill Murray the clown? I might show up to that. It's a mask. You can't tell. It's a nobody actor. Oh, doesn't you, have you find lines. out at the end of the movie who the clown is. Okay, oh yeah, maybe I don't know. <laughs> I hope it's I hope it's the 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 father from Parasite. That would be good. That would be a surprise. Yeah, yeah. It's the I hope it's the the brother from Squid Game in that reveal, right? Where he's a detective. And They're gonna say home improvement. <laughs> no. <laughs> Richard Karn plays Winnie the Pooh <laughs> in his new <laughs> Winnie the Pooh horror movie. You won't see his face, but that's him. It's his body. Uh, we got to cover Jess and uh, Gil. Who's who's the other one? Oh, the girls. The yeah, yeah I don't remember. I, that already has left my my <laughs> my brain is not big enough to retain those type, type of things. Uh, this is. Do you think this is going to be the first one of many, or do you think that as soon as they become not able to make money because no one's going to be interested in it as soon as the first one is a bomb they're gonna like no one's gonna touch it anymore yeah yep 
I think yeah. that's going to happen. I think you'll see a lot of. Mm, you might see some crummy animated Winnie the Poohs, but this mm. is going to be probably the only horror one. I would assume. I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's going to get far. That's my thing. Unless yeah. you got like a real big budget and you can do something cool with it, like that's in in vein of poo. Um, then <laughs> there's not really a reason to do anything with it. It's just going to exist. It's going to be a Dracula thing. What what's a poo by the way? It's the, with an the H. Poo bear. <laughs> what is that? Winnie the Pooh. I don't know. Uh, hmm. Does that mean I could, something? I could narrate Winnie the Pooh. Could you imagine me narrating a Winnie the Pooh movie? I could imagine me doing that. Do you want to narrate the Winnie the Pooh horror movie? Fuck no. They couldn't pay me enough for that. <laughs> I'm not going to let my poo? integrity a... go to the Winnie the Pooh horror movie. I don't know. What's a poo? <laughs> <laughs> my Latin American brain is not going to let me <laughs> forget. It says, used to express disgust at an unpleasant smell, excrement, or defecate. It's like, that's not what that bear. <laughs> is that why the bear was not wearing pants? He was just shitting <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> you can have pants. <laughs> um, I don't know. That, that must be one of those old, like, 1800s. Uh, 1800 terms that oh here you go urban dictionary a pleasant fictional bear Pooh was the name of a swan in when we were young okay so what <laughs> hold on here's mentalfloss.com Simon Brew why was Winnie the Pooh called Winnie the Pooh the answer lies back in the 1920s uh, the Winnie part of the name came from a visit to the London Zoo where Minnie, don't worry about who Minnie is, saw a black bear who had been named after the city, city <clears throat> excuse me, of Winnipeg, Canada. As for Pooh, well, originally Pooh was a swan, a different character entirely. So they just ke- they just kept it. Wouldn't you f- choose a word that's not so close to poop? <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I mean, I'm not gonna knock it. It's being very successful. <laughs> yeah. But it, now that we know that the name, like, it means nothing. It could have literally been anything else. It's a weird choice to to pick. Hey, it's Pooh, but with an H. Oh, okay, that's fine then. That's that's weird. Well, here's an explanation. Okay, um, so. In the book, when we were very young, the same book that introduced Edward Bear, uh, there was a poem telling how Christopher Robin would feed the swans in the morning. He told how Christopher Robin had given the swan the name Pooh, explaining that this is a very fine name for a swan because if you call him and he doesn't come, then you can just pretend you were saying Pooh to show him how little you wanted him. Makes perfect sense. Why, I'm going to announce it right now. Hans, Hans's directorial Billy. debut will be Winnie the Pooh, the movie, starring yeah. Jerry Me. as Winnie the Pooh, Hans as <laughs> Piglet. No pants. Uh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, Kenny's Eeyore. Uh, Eeyore. Uh, Jake will be uh, Christopher Robin. 
and I will be uh, Tigger, but it's a variation <laughs> of Tigger. The name's going to be slightly tweaked, uh, but we'll leave it as a surprise for when the movie drops. Yeah, it rhymes with Tigger, but it's not. It's going to be a lot like America's most most want. What was the Jamie Kennedy movie? Don't you see my fitted hat uh, here? It's not a stretch. Right. It's uh, Malibu is most most wanted. That's right. Thank you. I said America. I yeah. yeah where it took its name from. So, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, I think it's a fine film. I think it's one of the better films of the late 90s. I think it does deserve the Criterion treatment. I'm glad it got the Criterion treatment. And, um... R. When R. it P. mattered, right? Yeah. Too, when the Criterion, like, seal still had prestige, which I don't know if that's still the case. Eh, but. You know, they've, they've calmed down on all the message films they've decided to put out. But, uh, you know, every fourth quarter you will see like here's a bunch of netflix movies here's an amazon prime movie and they're not really deserving but it, it is what it is um it was one of the movies that got released to criterion around the time that armageddon and the rock mm-hmm. got in there so you can debate that if there was ever merit to begin with when they decided to go from <laughs> oh we're doing whatever movies we can get which was the laser disc um era of criterion to dvd and Blu-ray, mm-hmm. which is contemporary and classic films. So, yeah. All right. Oh, oh, here's a little bit of trivia, though. Did you know that *Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas* was originally going to be directed by Martin Scorsese? Mm. No. So you were talking about I... what if there was a different version of this? So it was originally going to be uh, De Niro and Brando. <laughs> And Brando is going to be Dr. Gonzo. I think that would have been amazing. Yeah. Um, De Niro doesn't seem right for Hunter S. Thompson whatsoever. Uh, But Martin Scorsese was supposed to direct it back in the 70s or so. And it just, of course, fell apart. There were so many different projects happening. And good luck getting Marlon Brando for anything at that point in his career. He did Superman. He did Last Tango in Paris. He did Godfather. What else did he do? I don't know. I don't know. The island guy. Oh, the yeah. Island of Dr. <laughs> well, that's 20 years later. You get that, Brando, in this yeah, movie? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, that, I mean, that sounds good. Yeah, that, that uh, the Nero pick sounds like the Bill Murray pick, which doesn't really fit, as, as aesthetically speaking, doesn't really fit the, the Hunter S. Uh, <clears throat> Hunter S. Thompson character, at least look-wise. Uh, that, oof, I don't know, especially in the 70s, uh, Scorsese, I can't imagine what this this movie would have been like with that cast and, and that director and without the the benefits of uh, shooting in the 90s so you can do more camera stuff mm. uh, or get a little bit more experimental than what you can do in the 70s, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if Martin Scorsese would have been the guy to adapt it. I obviously think it would have been a much different film. I think someone from that era that would have been good might have been like Bob Fosse, um, who did uh, Cabaret and, and um, Star 80 and all these different films. Uh, someone a little more flamboyant like that, I think, mm-hmm. could have given an interesting version. But, yeah, no. Uh, it was always a movie that was tied up with different parties at different moments in time. In the 80s, it went to Alex Cox, who did uh, Repo Man and Sid and Nancy. And he's credited, I believe, as the co-writer of the script on this movie because they did wind up using his draft with a couple of adjustments and maybe he's listed as a producer as well. I don't know. 
But this is kind of the last thing of note that Alex Cox would do in his career, uh, which is unfortunate. But he's just a guy who kind of fell off and lost um, lost the trust of investors in Hollywood. So, what's the the last thing he did? Uh... Probably something around the Repo Girl era, which is all green screen and looks like hell. Oh, Repo Chick? Repo Chick, yeah. You got a Tombstone Rashomon from 2017. That was, uh, he did that with like students in his film school class. And that, I believe, was also maybe crowdfunded. Uh, He looks it. Uh, And then you have Bill the Galactic Hero. This all sounds like, uh, no, what is his name? Charles Band movies. You know, like Evil Bong and uh, the Puppet Master and like all of those movies from that production company. Was it called Moon something Moon? High Full moon. moon. Full, Full moon. moon. Yeah, this that's what these posters look like, uh, which is kind of a shame um, from someone that started with so much promise, right, for him to just become that. I think it's like he, he, it's almost as if he forgot what quality was and he's got what especially when he's talking about those later films that he made he's talking about it in the same way that you see like a film school student or somebody who's in their early to mid 20s and hasn't really directed before but like directs a couple of short films and they look really shitty and they're really bad but they're talking about them like it's a real like masterpiece. Like, right. oh yeah. So when I was thinking about doing this shot here, I was drawing mm-hmm. from uh, Raging Bull, and as you see the shot, and it's just like the biggest piece of shit you've ever seen in your life. It's just fucking gross. It's that gross shot. It's yeah. ugly. The fucking sound sounds like he was recorded with an iPhone mic or something. Um, so like, that's uh, Veronica. River Veronica. Oh yeah, Veronica. Well, was, are you excited for Veronica too? Oh yeah, yeah. I think that that that'll be a good Civic TV double feature night at some point. Mm -hmm. That's going to be a long and painful one because I don't think we even finished it. I think we all just got like, oh, this is this sucks. Like we were just like, this is just too bad. We can't even make fun of it because it's just not enjoyable. Uh, So we, I, I yeah, I think we saw like two scenes after paying for it with someone else's card. <laughs> oh God, that was another one that was paid for. Oh boy, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, uh, you're rubbing up on your microphone, or so, you, something's happening with your your headphones in in the mic, where it's like making a, a shallow noise every so often. I don't know what this is all about, uh, but it doesn't really matter because now. We're almost about to hit four hours of record time here between a two-hour and 30-minute episode on Dead Man. That's all we talked about was Dead Man. And (laughs) now this episode on Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. So, Yeah, if you want to hear a a two-and-a-half-hour episode on Jim Jarmusch's Dead Man from 1996 where we only talk about the movie and nothing else, then definitely check that episode on YouTube. That's right. That's available right now in the live broadcast section of YouTube. And I don't know if that'll ever get monetized because I labeled it justice for Johnny. All right. That's <laughs> you been. Said, you said yeah. rape like a bunch of times. We said, said a lot of rape. There's so much rape. <laughs> I don't even remember. Why? Why? There's no rapes yeah. in Dead Man. 
There was no. plenty of consensual sex, I believe, but yeah. I don't I don't know about well, not rape. plenty, just a little, little tiny bit. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so tune in next next time. We're going to be talking about the fa- uh, films of Anna Biller. I don't know if something happens and the show gets canceled, because that does happen sometimes. This show has been canceled. The show we have lined up has been rearranged and canceled and rescheduled and replanned about 12 times. So something to look forward to. Yeah. It's our version of the Don Quixote movie, some would say. <laughs> you know what, you know what I'm getting some... sick of, by the way? And this is completely unrelated to anything else, is a lot of the people who are like, yep, the movies are dead. Now all we have are podcasts. Because people who don't know how to do anything, aside from podcasts, love that narrative and love, love to say mm. that. The movies are dead. All we have are pod- Well. According to everyone else, Top Gun just brought the movies back. So, what was the movie that brought movies back last year? Spider Man. Spider Man well, brought, brought people back to the theater, right? Yeah. What about the, the year before that? What brought movies back? Um, Justice League. Nomad. Zack <laughs> Snyder's Justice. That was the same year, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. I, I'm just. I guess I'm just kind of tired of this bringing movie back movies back thing because it's every year it's a new one that you guys decide to choose but it's not because it just makes money and that's it and how is it bringing anything back back from what what do you want <laughs> what do you guys want <laughs> you know we we get like fucking kelly and millie in space directed by fucking dan schneider's cousin because anyone can make a movie now and you guys we want movies to come back (laughs) to what (laughs) (laughs) it's like yeah we're back now we can make a fucking movie in our razor phone no isn't that fun no (laughs) maybe maybe it's a bad thing you know maybe Maybe it is maybe we need razor fists verotica (laughs) part three I think that could be good. That might bring the movies back. Yeah. I just don't understand that, uh, bringing the movies back. I I mean, we've had movies every year. The quality is debatable, but it's not like you don't get a blockbuster that's mindless and stupid every year and a bunch of overly dramatic Oscar bait shit every year. So what is what's back? Or what what is it bringing back, the 80s blockbuster? It's not. <laughs> It's not. No. It's not that. Yeah. No. Maybe people are just really excited. I don't know. People want something to feel good about. And uh, Top Gun, they decided Top Gun is it. Top Gun Maverick is the number. I mean, it's the biggest Memorial Day opening, I think, ever. And people are excited because, you know, it's Tom. Everybody loves Tom Cruise. They shut up for the mummy in drone. So the, ar- right? the army is good again? Is that what's happening now? Like Amer- America's back. back. Joe Biden's okay, cool. America. They're That's cool. good. They're cool. That's what he brought back. Uh, Top Gun. I, I hear Great. Top Gun Maverick ends with Tom Cruise shaking hands with Joe Biden and saying, <laughs> Joe Biden says, thank you for your service. That's <laughs> that's how the movie ends. Yeah. Yeah. I I hope so. Um, we've, we are going to do an episode, and then I'm sure as soon as I'm able to get it. Um, I think it'll be not, soon. I'm not excited about it at all. And and maybe I shouldn't be saying this because I shouldn't come with it with bias, but I just whenever a movie like this uh that you know it's going to be very basic la- le- uh basic level story that is not really going to bring anything 
new or interesting or even special and it might just be like a reach thread of what the original movie is my excitement for it <laughs> it's like non-existent especially when it's a movie that i never really liked uh but at the same time it's just remakes or sequels 20 30 years later that they just don't work uh historically don't work same reason that i'm not excited about whatever evil dead thing sam raimi's doing because it's just like you're not using any of the elements that made the original what it is now you're going to change the story and it's a daughter and then there's other thing and it's, and it's just like just don't put the name on it what you're doing is instead putting extra pressure because like we i think we said on the, on the last episode where people just remember uh the nostalgia that those movies made them feel even if they're bad uh and i i i couldn't get excited about top gun at all like i ugh, it's really not top gun see that... here's the thing i don't get it because top gun was a pop culture relic sure don't get me wrong but it wasn't that big of one it was literally just a source of gay jokes and oh hey 80s and mm -hmm. uh you know Iceman. kelly mcgillis looks like shit now well, she's and, not, uh... she's she's been put out to pasture, so she's done. Uh, they got oh, Jennifer Connelly. No, she's she's around. They just metaphorically oh. did. They said, "Get this tub of lard off our set." Who the fuck? Whose is mom this? is this? <laughs> Whose brother, mom on set? Tom, is that your mom, Tom? She's 120 because you're like 70. <laughs> Val Kilmer's uh, in the yeah. movie. He can't speak. They said, "Hey, Val, you can come. You can come through." Kelly. <laughs> Nah, we won't even bring back Meg Ryan. You think you're coming so, back? So what are they going to do with Val Kilmer? Is he just like where the planes are so you can't hear him talk, but he's still moving his mouth? But the, you know, the engines <laughs> yeah, are very yeah. loud. So, <laughs> so he's just mouthing words. <laughs> God, that would be the way to do it. You know, in The Snowman, the Michael Fassbender movie, they just dubbed him with another actor and didn't – they hoped no one would catch it. That's like a Warner – that was a huge Warner Brothers movie. I, I think it was Warner Brothers, uh, produced by Martin Scorsese. And they dubbed Val Kilmer because he sounds like a cricket now. He makes weird bug noises out of his throat because he wheezy. burned too many crew members on Island of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> and it came back as karma with cancer. I like Val Kilmer quite a lot, but he's good in uh, Palo Alto. is like a fat stoner guy. Just like, oh, I'm writing. I'm the stepdad. I don't work, but I'm writing. But it's a, it's that thing about uh, changing the narrative, right? Because they get sick. So because he's sick now, people are like, oh, Val is our hero from the '90s. You know, Val Kilmer. He was such a nice guy. And he's like, no, he was not. No, he he was kind of a piece of shit. He was kind of a piece of shit. He was, he was, uh, you know, those. Uh, Stars that uh, got it very early in their life, so he got very huge very quickly, and he believed every second of it. So he was kind of a dick, but that has all been washed because he's sick now. So now it's like, oh, look, it's Val Kilmer. Ah, it's like imagine being the guy that got his ear burnt by his <laughs> cigarette, and I looked at you like, no, it's fuck this piece of shit. Good, that's a hole. I had a hole in my ear <laughs> from his cigarette, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But now, no, it's just like when someone dies, it's like as soon as you die, everything is forgiven. You're 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 such a wonderful person that's dead now, so. Well, there's a, there was a little bit of the revisionism in the Val documentary, but they did a very good job with that, and he does kind of own up to being a little bit, they don't show it, but it's very clear uh, he's kind of a piece of shit, and he does own up to that. 
uh, they don't get into a lot of the onset misbehavior. But obviously, you have a Hollywood actor walking around with a camera recording. Like John Frankenheimer is trying to hold a meeting with like this production's falling apart. We got to do this. We got to get. <laughs> and he's just got his fucking camera. He's like, "What are you doing? Why? Why? My my life is at stake. My whole career is at stake with this fucking movie." <laughs> yeah. Val could care less. Marlon Brando's in a hammock somewhere, rocking back and forth in white face paint. <laughs> You're in no. like Cambodia getting bitten by mosquitoes that might give you something that has no cure yet. Yeah. <laughs> Or something like that. You have to worry about fucking handsome Val Kilmer with the mask on his face being an asshole. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> coming right off of Batman, one of the biggest one of the biggest Batman movies of all all time. And he, on the, like the second day of shooting, was like, this sucks. I don't care about this. I'm just going gonna, gonna to act as me. I'm not, who cares about it? I'm not doing the next one. Fuck this. I'll take a big paycheck. Jim Carrey's trying to alpha everybody on the set anyway. Tommy Lee Jones is miserable. Fuck it. So, yeah, uh, and Val's back. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, I mean, he's not my favorite Batman, but um, I don't know. Uh, Top Gun Maverick. I'm probably going to see it this week. We'll see. It seems like it has nothing to do with the original. Hmm. Only the same characters? Is that... Uh, yeah, more or less. I hear that... Uh, Tom Cruise is behaving like 80s Tom Cruise. I quite like 80s Tom Cruise, to be honest yeah. with you. Uh, Color of Money, he's fantastic in that. Risky Business is fun. Um, he's good. I like Tom I mean, people are coming around to Tom Cruise because there's been no creepy reports from the Scientology church, right? They, they're doing a good job of hiding all his misdeeds, but who cares, you know? Well, he's also, he's also not doing interviews that he shouldn't be doing. Where he That's jumps right. on couches and <laughs> loses yeah, his shit because he he's learned marry, his lesson from that. What's her name? Uh, Katie Holmes, right? Mm -hmm. So because he was going to marry her, that's when he freaked out or something. Which like Oprah and it was like, oh, what? Yeah. Uh, what a slag that that Katie Holmes to not only leave Tom Cruise, the fi the founding father of the Scientology Church. Let's ignore all that. Let's just push that aside. What she did was unforgivable. She got with his dear friend, Jamie Foxx. How about that? She said, I got to get away from Tom Cruise. Jamie Foxx, you just did collateral with him. You're a close friend of Tom's. How about we fuck? How about I marry you? Maybe we'll have kids and we'll both never speak to Tom Cruise again. Very that bad. Happened? That is what happened. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. Dark. Yeah. I Darkness. Know, I didn't know who Jamie Foxx. <laughs> I didn't know Jamie Foxx was married to Katie Holmes. Look you, you with your Buzzfeed, with your Buzzfeed knowledge of celebrity gossip. <laughs> Which I don't know. There's something that conflicts there because he's always out at clubs, you know, with the boys. He's with Quentin Tarantino taking girls home, but he's married to Katie Holmes, who's fifty. Yeah. Fifty-year-old Katie Holmes is waiting, waiting for mm. you to get home, Jamie Foxx. Go home. Mm -hmm. You gave up Tom yeah. Cruise as a friend for Katie Holmes. <laughs> for postmenopausal <laughs> Katie Holmes. That's fun. Hey, hey, baby. Yes, I'm going home. Oh, you're having hot flashes again? Oh, that's, I'm sorry. What do you want? Oh, yeah, sure. I'll bring you some cake. <laughs> 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 Just leaving the club to go to his fifth year. Yeah, I mean, I think for someone like me... At 50, I wouldn't mind, but Jamie Foxx is a superstar, right? So that's not the life for him. Yeah. So that's weird. Like That's a weird decision. Um, but, yeah. 
Yeah, can you Hollywood, imagine watching Blue Streak and then thinking, oh, yeah, he's going to marry the girl from Dawson's Creek? <laughs> yeah. That's pretty weird. Yeah. She's going to leave Tom Cruise for the guy from Blue Streak. Wait a minute. Was you that from Martin the guy Lawrence? From the... Yes. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> you just pulled out phones. That's cool. Damn. That was okay. Martin Lawrence and Luke Wilson. I thought you were going to say the guy from the Jamie Foxx show. That was the East or from In Living Color where he dresses like a woman. From The guy from no. Booty Call. The less famous no. guy oh, from yeah. Booty Call yeah. is going to uh, Tommy with Dawson's Creek was... star, Katie Holmes. Tommy Davidson? Was that yeah. his name? And Vivica Fox? Right. I feel wow, bad for guys be... like Tommy Davidson and D.L. Hughley, who are uh, like mammoth black comedians of a certain era. And then six years pass and people want nothing to do with them. So what they do is like they become like the intellectual black guest on talk shows mm. to talk about issues or whatever. And it's Kamal like, Bell. Yeah, they, they try to become the W. Kamal <laughs> Bell. Oh, God. Enough of that. Yeah. Yeah, enough of all of them. Uh, what do you mean all of? What them? about all of all of those <laughs> those comedians that oh. stop having a career and try to get one by going Christopher Titus? Let's not make oh, it right. just yeah, that's a, that's Christopher a good... Titus, and and he's all like fucking still complaining about Trump uh, on Twitter. So yeah, uh, what about? Uh, <laughs> I wonder what a uh, ladies' man is doing. Um, what's his name that was on SNL? Tim um, Meadows. Tim Meadows. That's a, that's another one, right? That's not that's not one. I don't know. That's not a black comedy. No, no, he doesn't really do that. He no kind of just keeps in. to himself. Yeah. But uh, anyway, hey, that's been movies for this week. We have a music video dropping very soon. Uh, hopefully very soon anyway. I think it actually might be like July 4th. But if you subscribe on Patreon.com slash lowers, I'm probably going to put it out maybe tonight. I don't know. We'll see. It's a little late for that. Maybe tomorrow. We'll see. Uh, I did a I directed a music video for Mario Cuomo, lead singer of the great American rock band, the Orwells, um, for his solo debut album, I believe it is. Uh, and you can check that out very soon. Stars Kenny, stars Ston from Sewer City TV, and uh, it's called Middle American. You should check it out. H word name on Twitter, and yeah. um, I don't know anything else you want to plug. Uh, no. no. All right. No. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Yeah, it, it's a it's a it's a good flick. Um, Katie Holmes, <laughs> slut. 